Hello and welcome to the Low Tech Podcast. I'm Scott Johnson from the Low Technology Institute, your host for podcast number 40. On March 27th, 2020, coming to you out of the Low Tech Recording Room in Cooksville, Wisconsin. Thanks for joining us and welcome to Food Mageddon. This year we're trying to grow all our own food and this is where we'll talk about it. We'll also have an institute update. And don't forget to follow us on Twitter. Our handle is at low underscore techno. Like us on Facebook, find us on Instagram, and subscribe to us on YouTube. And check out our website, lowtechinstitute.org. There you can find both of our podcasts, as well as information about joining and supporting the Institute and its research. So welcome to Foodmageddon. Foodmageddon is a research project that kind of grew out of the underlying premise of the Institute itself. And that is, we're trying to develop strategies to house, clothe, and feed ourselves in a world when fossil fuels are no longer around, uh, whether we give them up or we run out of them. And we thought one of the most important things that we need to deal with is food production. And so from that point, we decided to try and simulate what would happen if fossil fuels crashed out of our economy and how would we be able to grow food for ourselves? What would we do? And that's the whole premise and idea. What would you do if fossil fuels disappeared? And that's exactly what we're trying to do with this research project. Now the web series is a little different. The web series is a dramatization, a dramatized documentary of this project and it's kind of made for people who might not sit down and read long blog entries or a final report or a book uh, that comes out of this project they might want to just sit back on a Friday evening and binge a couple episodes that's what the web series is all about and if you came from the web series welcome and you're gonna hopefully find out all kinds of neat tidbits and behind the scenes and more of the nitty-gritty of what we're actually doing uh, on this podcast so welcome For those of you that are new to the Institute overall, uh, we're a 501c3 research and educational organization, and uh, we do all kinds of research. A couple years ago, we um, partnered with market gardeners to grow potatoes and see what was the most efficient and effective way to grow them without mechanization. Uh, We do bee research. We hold classes occasionally, so uh, we kind of have our fingers in a lot of different pies, but the overarching connecting tissue between all of them is reducing our reliance on fossil fuels. That is what we're all about and what we think is probably the most important transition that we're going to see in the next generation. And so we want to be at the forefront of that. And many times we look to the past because 150 years ago people didn't use fossil fuels to drive everything. So they had to figure out how to do it without fossil fuels. And so we look at ancient technology, pre-industrial technology, early industrial technology, as well as non-industrial technology still used today. And we hope to bring a lot of that to bear in the Foodmageddon project. And now you might be wondering, well, why bother doing a podcast? And again, the podcast is behind the scenes. So, for example, we'll cover things that we don't talk about on the web series. Um, our son uh, is on the web series fairly often, but because we have a young one, we don't want to compromise his growth and nutrition. So. We will buy things for him outside, above, and beyond the calories we need to feed ourselves that we're going to be growing for ourselves. But the adults will be sticking to the plan as outlined on the website. 
Um, you can look it up at uh, lowtechinstitute.org. You go to the research tab and then grow your own uh, link. We'll bring you to a description of all the different parameters um, and the timeline under which we're operating, which I'll, I'll discuss here in a minute. But um, the, in the podcast, we're going to tell you where we've had to make changes and where we've been able to uh, stick to the plan. And before we go any farther, I should, I'm now being joined by Lauren, my wife and partner in this whole crazy thing, who lets me try lots of crazy things around the house, this being one of them. Hello. Hello. (laughs) (laughs) I wasn't saying hello to you. (laughs) Anyway, uh, so I was briefly outlining kind of what the the project is, and uh, just to put you, uh, the listener, into the context of what we're dealing with, we have a schedule on the website uh, starting in February of 2020 and going all the way through September. And each month we're simulating the, the loss of some sort of support of fossil fuel um, in our food system. So February, uh, we assumed everyone would just keep, even if fossil fuels crashed and we only had to use what was left, um, in February everyone would continue using fossil fuels as as normal, so we plan to get our stuff together. Now it's March, and uh, after a month, we're we're anticipating that people would be reducing their fuel usage. So we've cut our fuel use for food-related purposes down to a quarter. So that's just talking about our food, right? So we're the Food Mageddon uh, web series only talks about food. So Lauren, not toilet paper shortages. Correct. Not toilet paper shortages, or driving to work, or the hardware store or non-food related stuff, right? That, But we're segregating our food. We're not going to the grocery store except for twice a week, or excuse me, twice a month. Coming up in April, we're going to not be able to purchase fresh foods. At least that was the plan. Uh, but depending on how this COVID thing goes, there might not be fresh produce for us to buy anyway. So mission accomplished. If you want to know what's coming up, uh, as the pandemic continues, just check out our website for the schedule, because right now we're right on schedule. <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh, it's not funny. It's not funny. It's just, yeah. I mean, but w- what are the chances that we plan to simulate I know, I some know. massive disaster? Wait, are we not? We're not in that part of the outline. Oh, yet. excuse me. I, I have an outline, and we're getting there. Okay, I'm sorry. I'm jumping ahead. So, in April, we can't purchase fresh foods, and then um, in May, uh, we have to spend less. Um, all the same restrictions apply, and so on. All the way through September, we have more and more strict restrictions on our food purchases. So, uh, check that out if you're interested, uh, but we'll also uh, update you on the podcast here. So, as I was saying, the COVID crisis is upon us, or the COVID-19 crisis has kind of... Real world. Yeah, this is in the real world. We're not discussing it on the the web series yet, because, I mean, we're already dealing... On the web series, which is kind of like a a window into a world, a parallel world where fossil fuels crashed out, you're already dealing with enough. I don't want to add a pandemic on top of that. That's why I haven't brought it up in the the web series. Well, and... Right, I mean... The web series is an alternate universe. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't think you should bring it up. It's just interesting how what we're seeing, I mean, somewhat parallels what we are trying to simulate. You know, so so we're simulating more of it than I think we expected to because (laughs) it's not a simulation, right? I mean, so, so you said earlier that, you know, it's, you know, I'm still going to work and everything like that. Well, 
I'm working from home now, so, (laughs) you know, we weren't expecting that, but we're doing even more than we expected to do. And that would have been in the, the, you know, in the podcast, or excuse me, in the web series, I might have said, oh, Lauren's working from home now, but now she really is working from home. I really am working from home. Well, and another thing, like, I had planned in March and April to kind of stockpile a little bit of food so that we can make it through June, July when our garden comes on to produce enough for us to eat and for us to have done our wheat harvest. Well, I went to the grocery store a couple weeks ago, and I had to buy a whole bunch of 10-pound bags of flour instead of the 50-pound bags of flour, because the 50-pound bags of flour were sold out, because everyone's starting to buy ahead of time. But it's good that people are thinking to buy those types of things, because, yeah. again, the number, the first thing that people thought to stockpile was, for some reason, toilet paper. I mean, <laughs> if you don't have food to eat, you're not going to need toilet paper. Um, so... I actually had to do a little more creative stockpiling, which would have actually happened if the fossil fuel industry collapsed. Like, you'd be doing, not panic buying, but you'd be having to buy from a reduced pantry at the grocery store. And we aren't panic buying. No. I think that's important to point out. It, oh, like, yeah. you know, we had this whole plan, or you, I'm following <laughs> along. <laughs> you had this whole plan about what we're going to do, you know, and then the coronavirus came upon our shores, and, you know, we're still sticking to it. Yeah, so far. Yeah. I mean, the only thing that would happen with the uh, COVID-19 would make things more restricted or step up our schedule right. faster. And I and I guess that, that was one thing that we did because, you know, we have our two grocery store visits a month mm-hmm. this month. We did our normal one as usual, which was before the craziness started. And, and we, you know, stockpiled a little bit, but we knew that our second one was going to be Costco. And we right. did it a week earlier than we expected because we right. were worried that there wasn't exactly going to be stuff there. Yeah, had we waited a week, I don't think we would have gotten what we yeah. needed for this uh, project. So, interestingly, the wheat, the flour was almost selling out, but the oats were all still there. I mean, people you, don't think about oatmeal. Oatmeal, granola. Yeah, people cookies, don't think about that. It's such a good. It's such a good grain. Yeah. I, I'm disappointed. Anyway. Um, more for us. More for us. Yeah, so uh, you'll see on the web series all the food that I'm putting into uh, five-gallon buckets in the basement. Um, and yeah, this was on plan since January. So lucky us, I guess. Um, and I mean, we are kind of lucky, and it's kind of random that the year that we decided to try and grow all our own food, there's a major health crisis across the world that's shutting down the world economy. So look out for when I plan other things. <laughs> uh, I mean, well, but, but I think it is... Interesting to point out that, you know, our simulation was about the destruction of the fossil fuel industry when in reality what the fossil fuel industry is now hurting and, like, gas prices are lower than they've been in, yeah. like, 10, 15 years. Yeah, it's true. But, but again, because of the public health crisis, luckily people aren't driving around all over the place because they yeah. can. Well, that's actually, so here's a behind-the-scenes sort of note. It's really hard to film outside, usually, because, uh, especially around 4 o'clock, so I often film when the boy is asleep, and that's after 4 o'clock, and that's when everyone starts coming home from Madison, or used to come home from Madison when they worked in Madison, so at 4 o'clock, the traffic would pick up substantially on the street in front of our house, and so I would have to talk and edit out, uh, talk between the cars, Mm -hmm. and edit severely to get the sounds of cars in the background out of here because I'm simulating a world where fossil fuels collapse. I can't have just people driving around all the time. (laughs) So it's been really much easier to film now because no one's driving around. It's awesome. I mean, 
It's good not to be driving. So. Yes. But the reason sucks. Small blessings. Uh, we also live in an isolated village, so that's helpful for us. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we don't. We have what sixty-four people, seventy people here, and uh, we all know each other. But it's pretty easy to stay stuck to our own houses. I've only mm-hmm. had contact the six feet border with uh, six or seven people. So the other nice thing is that we we do have a fairly large property, um, I mean, it, larger than you know a normal city lot or. You know, we have suburb. three quarters of an acre. Right. And, and most of it is not house, you know, so we can go outside and, you know, get some fresh air, mm-hmm. staying within our own confines. Yeah. Well, and even when I go over to the what I call the back 40, our neighbor's uh, market garden plot that they let me grow on, um, you know, and I, I talk to our neighbors, but we stay... We're easy, it's easy to stay far apart and, mm-hmm. and, and, and coordinate with them. So, um, But yeah, it's an isolated village. Unfortunately, the population here is fairly advanced in age. We're in a young couple with a kid where there's only a couple other of those in town and the, and the rest are largely retirees. So uh, we do need to be careful. We're also, and we have to acknowledge this, lucky to be, at least so far, financially secure enough uh, to be able to continue working from home and not have to worry yet you know as the economy continues to churn um and stumble we'll see what happens but right now things look okay for for us that doesn't mean we won't take donations if you're really enjoying it and you want to send some of your stimulus money towards a nonprofit. you can go to our website lowtechinstitute.org and donate just thought i'd throw that in there <laughs> no uh, but but i mean we we are very lucky in this situation that yeah we have stable jobs that allow us the flexibility to be able to work from home, that we are able to continue working and get a paycheck, that we are healthy, that we are in mm-hmm. a self-sufficient mode. So yeah. we we understand that we are the minority, mm-hmm. I think, right yeah, now. Sure. Um, and we are lucky. Yeah. Yeah. We are, we are in a better position because of this project. Yes. Um, just than, than we normally would be this time of year if this yeah. had happened in another year. Yeah. You know, I, I still think, you know, our, our baseline preparedness is better than the average person. So I still think we would be in a little bit better position self-sufficiency-wise than yeah. the average individual. But this project, I think, put us on a much better footing. Yeah. And just a little bit of a background, just to round me out as a person. Uh, I started gardening for a lot of our food five, six, seven years ago in St. Louis uh, when we lived in a small um, uh, house in, in the city. And uh, I was an anthropology professor, archaeology professor, archaeologist, and uh, was job insecure. I kept uh, swinging from branch to branch, uh, teaching at different universities and colleges a semester at a time, um, and basically was a, essentially a gig economy for uh, PhDs. Uh, at the beginning of their careers, and uh, much of their careers nowadays, uh, unfortunately. Anyway, and I thought, well, uh, I don't have to get fired for or hired to grow food in my backyard. And so I started growing food in our backyard, and it's just kind of metastasized uh, since then. On the one hand, yes, we're lucky that we're better prepared, but I also, I ended up giving up a lot of what my what I thought my career would be move out here and do this but don't discourage people because no. i mean i think that because there is a lot that people can do without giving up oh absolutely their life oh absolutely like you did no we're, we're <laughs> an extreme outlier but yeah if you uh go to our blog uh, which is also on lowtechinstitute.org uh you can see i recently put out a kind of a call to arms uh 
under the hashtag low tech resilience where we are going to be putting out things that everybody can be doing. Well, not everybody, but most people in this time, if you have the time and inclination and ability to start growing food on and taking care of yourselves and your community. A resilience garden instead of a, a resilience garden. garden. Oh, I like that. Ooh. Yeah, a new hashtag. I just like saying hashtag. Uh, for example, not part of the food Mageddon plan, but I've talked to my neighbor who I said used to be a market gardener, and he has about a quarter acre that's not being used and has been fallow for a couple years, and he has a couple hundred pounds of seed potatoes in the basement, so we're going to put that quarter acre into potatoes this year. That's way more than we would generally eat, and if you know the economy comes back to the where it's supposed to be and produce begins to flow again and everything writes itself by the fall, we'll donate it to food banks. But And this kind of brings us to the next thing I wanted to talk about, which is how how the COVID crisis uh, kind of dovetails with Foodmageddon. Food's going to become an issue for everybody. If fossil fuels disappear, or if California is shut down and yeah, agricultural workers can't work. Exactly. The borders are closed right now. The majority of our agricultural workers are probably um, on the other side of those borders. Yes. And or food that's coming in this time of year. That too. Produce coming in this time of year to the U.S. is coming from California and Mexico. And we're not getting it from Mexico now, although they said uh, cargo can come through. But, but I mean... It's going to be a reduction. All of that produce in California isn't going to be able to get picked if there isn't the labor to pick it. Right. No, that's true. And even if there is labor there, people in, in the state, and I know that um, there's an exemption for agricultural workers because food's essential... It's still going to be a reduction. I mean, there's just no two ways around it. And so, you know, we're putting all these extra potatoes in in the hope that we don't need them. But that was not a part of the Food Mageddon plan. We just planned to grow for ourselves, but now we have the space and the knowledge and the inclination. So we're going to grow a couple tons of potatoes. I mean, literally a couple tons of potatoes um, because our neighborhood might need them. The year of potatoes. The year of potatoes, unfortunately, for I'm sure this time next year, if it really does get nasty. We're going to be sick of potatoes, but at least we'll be eating. Anyway, on that sunny note, I mean, we're already seeing staples sold out. It's kind of surreal to go to the grocery store and have all the powdered milk, all the flour, almost all the sugar, Mm -hmm. uh, just all the basics completely wiped out. It's bizarre. We lived in New Orleans, and we had one evacuation. We were there after Katrina, but that's the closest we've ever come to some sort of large-scale disaster. I mean, this is... Yeah, because I mean, it's I don't weird. think you can really ca- compare it because it's not like people would stock up like this before an evacuation. We had, because remember, we had a party to clear out our refrigerator <laughs> yeah. and our we had a freezer. Barbecue. We had a barbecue. Yeah, Come people do over. the exact opposite. They're trying to get rid of food because you don't know how long you're going to be gone for and you don't want it to rot. So. Yeah. Yeah, after Katrina, I moved there the year after Katrina, and people told me how they, they'd come into their house, and the first thing they'd do is duct tape their refrigerator shut, and then throw it out. Don't even open it. Can't be cleaned. <laughs> anyway, but this is the first time, I, I think, in my lifetime I've ever seen staples gone. Yeah. Even panic buying before hurricanes and things like that. It's not like this. Travel's going to reduce. This would also be exactly what would happen in food Foodmageddon uh, scenario of reduced fossil fuels. Um, even though we have record cheap fossil uh, gas right now, people are still not driving as much. Uh, it is a weird feeling. I went into town this weekend for the first time, and I first time in a week leaving the house, and it was weird. We we wanted to um, buy food at a local restaurant we like to support them, and it was weird driving down Main Street, and there were almost no cars, and it was Saturday night, just 
completely strange. And being in the grocery store, uh, I went, so we are, st we can still go to the grocery store uh, for non-food purchases uh, and for purchases for our boy, as I outlined earlier. Uh, we buy him milk and things like that. And I also went and bought like bleach. And all the rubbing alcohol was sold out, but all the bleach was still there. Bleach is a disinfectant. It's not the best disinfectant in terms of like being caustic and gross, but uh, yeah, so I bought uh, pandemic-related supplies rather than food for us. But it's been an interesting time for us, being home, having to talk with friends and family. And frankly, I had been kind of overwhelmed because we were fairly active and I had evening activities two nights a week and we always had stuff going on and we were always busy and out of town visiting family and I was becoming a little overwhelmed having to try and grow all our own food as well as do other projects because I don't just do this. I, um, I do some freelance work and some other things that take up my time and I was frankly there were a couple of times like three or four weeks ago where I I got really frustrated and just feeling overwhelmed and I've actually felt way less overwhelmed lately and now for what I think will be a recurring segment the monthly check-in with Lauren so Lauren how are you doing so far <laughs> have you experienced any great change annoyance or disruption to your day-to-day -day life because of the project <laughs> Especially since I made it more real by creating a <laughs> yeah. world pandemic no, health don't crisis. Say that. Yeah, I obviously mean, not. It's, Would not have wished for that. As with many of Scott's projects, huh. I I approach them with trepidation. Would that be the correct word? Hmm. I am fully supportive of most things that he does. <laughs> well, I mean, but you, this, well, this one involved me a little bit more directly than I think the others have. So. I think yeah, I that's mean, why I was a little bit more hesitant. Yeah, and I mean, so we're still... So, say there wasn't the global pandemic, I mean, we're still very early on yeah. in it, and we haven't had to make a lot of modifications yet. No. Um. I mean, grocery-wise, instead of shopping twice a week, we're shopping once every two weeks. And I just buy twice as much. Yeah. Like, you know, yeah. That, or that's what I did... You know, Pretty the much. grocery, yeah, yeah the non-Costco grocery shopping trip. We just had to be more careful that I didn't eat all the hint of lime tortilla yes. chips <laughs> in one go. I had to save because you bought two bags, and I'll eat the one bag right away. You treat them as single serving. I no, I'm I two servings out of those bags. So I had I had to like put it away and not look at it for a week. I did. Yeah. Rationing. Um. So, so project-wise, I, I, yeah, I hadn't seen much modification. I just, I had to think more at the grocery store than mm. I usually do. Yeah. I will say that. And then, I guess it was after that grocery shopping trip when all hell broke loose in the real world. Yeah. Um, and then, so we had to start thinking about this project and mm. the real world mm -hmm. and what we honestly needed to do because there's only so much that we will do for our dear uh web series viewers it's gonna be it's gonna be different in future months when we yeah when we can't like we just buy twice even the produce would last you know two weeks so mm -hmm. we could like still have green peppers on our pizza which we have every sunday i think the sunday pizza is going to be an interesting change because over time if we're going to be putting random stuff on there whatever we have i'm not Making a gross pizza. It won't be gross. It'll, it'll, just, be, it'll just turn to cheese pizza. I guess we won't have cheese. We won't have cheese. It'll just turn to baked dough. Yeah. 
Well, originally, like pizza, pasta sauce. pizza comes from a bread that Romans would make relatively often. It would be a big flat bread, and they would put olive oil and you know dried tomatoes and all of this other stuff on, and that's what became pizza eventually. But cheese wasn't a huge part of it. Well, that sounds good. So. Um, yeah, I mean, so it hasn't really, really had a lot of dramatic change. I would say mm-hmm. in our life. Other than again having to plan and think, yeah, um, while shopping and and I think with the reality going on in the world with the pandemic that it's really forcing us to do a lot more than we or to do it more for real. Uh, do, yeah, yeah, th- yeah, there's no safety. there's no way out. Well, there's not much of a safety net. Like yeah, that's how I felt last year gardening. It's like oh, I'll try and grow these, and if I can't grow them, we can buy them. Mm-hmm. And going into it this year, I'm like, no, I'm gonna grow it, and we're gonna eat it until we're out of stuff I've grown, and then we'll buy. You know, and then we'll mm-hmm. say, okay, we're done. We lasted this long, but now, so I felt like there's no safety, less safety net in my grocery. There, there's still always the safety net there if I failed at something, but now I feel like, no, I re- really do have to grow this, and we really have to do eat as much of it as we can, because mm-hmm. I'm, I'm uncertain about what's coming. You know, this could be over in eight weeks, as everyone sort of hopes. It could last longer, but... Plan for the worst, for hope the worst, for the best. Hope for the best. That's the and so, so, yeah, and it could be that after the pandemic is over, you know, we're going to continue with the project, you know, as right. if right. we were on our normal timeline, right. so... I mean, it's going to be the same for us. We're just forcing everyone else to do it with us now. Yeah, right. <laughs> exactly. Well, except I guess we're we're about a month ahead of everyone. Yes, but that's okay. Yeah. I'll take it. Lauren will check back with us in, in next week, month's podcast, and we'll see if she's still so chipper and happy <laughs> having been in the same house with me and <laughs> not leaving for another four weeks. We'll, we'll check in. Mm. But hopefully the uh, Food Mageddon Project won't be exacerbating an underlying situation that I have no control over. We'll see. <laughs> at least I feel like I'm doing something. That's how I feel, at least. Like, I'm out, you know, working in the garden every day. I feel like I'm doing something, I think that's better than having to sit around and fret. I can fret while I'm hoeing weeds. If you are sitting at home fretting, I encourage you to reach out. Reach out to us. Yeah. If you want someone to talk to. Send we us obviously an email. have similar interests. Yeah, if, you're, if you've listened this far into it, then <laughs> good people. So yeah, uh, send us a comment, uh, subscribe, tell your friends, yada, yada, yada. Reach out on any of the social medias, and uh, maybe we'll address your question on air. Onwards. And that's it for this week. The Low Tech Podcast is put out by the Low Technology Institute. At the moment, the show is hosted, edited, and distributed by me, Scott Johnson. This episode was recorded at the Low Technology Recording Room. Our intro music was Anti-Exposed Video off the album Music is Telephone by Captive Portal. That song is under the Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial License, and this podcast is under the Creative Commons Attribution and Share Alike License, meaning you're free to use and share it as long as you don't give us credit. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, or TuneIn Radio. And if you enjoy this free podcast, please help repay us by sharing it with a friend. The Low Technology Institute is a 501c3 research organization supported by you, its members, grants, and underwriting. You can find out more about the Low Technology Institute, membership, and underwriting at lowtechinstitute.org. Find us on social media and reach me directly at scott at lowtechinstitute.org. Thanks and take care.
Well, and I, we also have big lots, you know, so yeah. our yeah. curtilage is, uh, is that an, is that a term most people know? No. <laughs> is that a legal term? It's illegal. The curtilage is the area around your home. Um, most often You could just say they... our property. <laughs> like a I wanted person. to use curtilage. Um, <laughs> yeah, we have a pretty large curtilage, so I just did it again. We have a pretty large property. You I mean, can edit all that out. It's not Let's that... start over again. No. I don't want to include that. Um, It'll go in the bloopers at the end. I'm starting over. Cut. Okay. Um, we, it, Wait, hold it, on. Let me pour tea. Oh let me pour tea. Think about what you're going to say. Do you want some tea? No, I didn't bring my cup with you. I can give you one of these cups. No, I have two. That's fine. Okay, go for it. Um, I just want people to think I'm peeing on here. Okay.